0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined uh, by Rod Babers. Rod is a a longtime Texas uh, Longhorn. Uh, Graduated in 2002, or excuse me, senior year was 2002. uh, A fourth round pick of the Giants, all Big 12 cornerback, was a member of the 2001 team that was the number one ranked uh, defense in the country. Rod, uh, uh, you're the man, and uh, we're here to talk a little Texas football today.
1: No, man, I'm so excited about this season. Uh it's it's hard, you know, like Longhorn fans say in the offseason not to drink the Kool-Aid. By this time, everybody's sipped a little of that Kool-Aid, and we're all ready to go. So uh yeah, man, I'm excited, excited to work with you again, Bobby. It's been a long time. And uh man, I'm 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 I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Longhorns can do this year because uh coming out last season, everybody's got a sour taste in their mouth.
0: Uh, yeah, hey Rod, I've got to say this. Um so this is an announcement video of sorts as well. We're going to get into some X's and O's and some nuggets that uh, Rod is, is really interested to talk about this season. But uh, Rod Babers and I will be doing a post-game show live on YouTube every day, every immediately following the game, about five, ten minutes after at the most. Uh, we're going to be on uh, talking with fans uh, as a production of Inside Texas and on Texas football. Uh, Rod, we appreciate you doing this with us this year. Uh, It's going to be an experiment and I I hope it's fun and uh, (laughs) we can bring some people some news and, and notes following the game. We'll see how it goes and hope we have a lot of fun with it.
1: Well, I'll just say that, uh, you know, part of my prep every day for my, you know, radio show, uh, just a little random shout out, Ball Don't Lie, from 3 to 7, 1049 the Horn. Uh, I go to Inside Texas, man. You guys done a great job. I'm a big fan of yours, Bobby, but, you know, you got my boy, you know, Jerry Hamilton over there working, doing great work. He's, I got to get Jerry's the guy that discovered Rod Davis. Just a random shout out there. Uh, you know, the first guy to give me a recruiting, if you will, kind of a recruiting upgrade or a recruiting shout out in any form was Jerry Hamilton. And then from there, uh obviously the rest is history. I don't know if it's you know great history, but it's history. Uh but uh but I love inside Texas, but you guys do a great job. Uh Ian, I mean in Boyd, he's a football theorist like myself. Uh, Joe Cook does a great job grinding, man. So uh really I'm the one that's kind of honored to work with you guys. So I'm part part of the family now, and I appreciate that.
0: Well, you're you're great to talk football with. You really are. Uh, you did that by yourself. I know Jerry, you give Jerry credit, but when you ran the four three one forty. At the Greater Houston Combine as a high school senior, I think you 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 put yourself in the, on the map there, big guy. Um, hey, so Rod, uh, let's let's talk a little football, uh, right? Uh, yeah. The Longhorns coming off a of five and seven campaign a year ago, a uh, one that really stung, I think, right? Because uh, Tom Herman had a lot of promise about three years in, and then things just went south. Uh, it, it never got over the top. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian comes in. And immediately I feel like you saw the offense be what you wanted to see an offense be. Um, They moved the ball against everybody. And then Oklahoma came kind of after Arkansas, Oklahoma came, the first half looked great. They were moving the ball in the second half. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And then on the rest of the year, they had second half issues, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, And the defense, progressively got worse, it felt like, as the year went on, instead of getting better, uh, until the very last game, actually. Um, You know, what do you see overall? What do you make of that first season? And what do you see uh, going forward into this one for Steve Sarkeesian's second campaign?
1: Uh yeah, man. And there's a there's a lot, right? That I could get to. I'll try to keep it uh you know concise here. But first thing I want to see from Steve Sarkeesian because I actually initially wasn't a huge Steve Sarkeesian fan. He actually won me over uh throughout the season and the offseason. That's stuff we'll talk about obviously uh throughout the year. But you know, I think his biggest challenge right now for him to take the next level as a coach, because you just brought up how the, the second half was always a it was always a liability of sorts for Texas, right? They seemed to collapse in the second half. And I always said Steve Sarkeesian would win the battle of game plan and preparation. His game plan and his prep, like their initial 15 plays or their first half script was awesome. It really was. I mean, it was great. Against Oklahoma State, uh, against Oklahoma, obviously, remember that. Against Baylor, there were opportunities for Texas to get a big lead. Uh, Some of those opportunities were squandered. But in the second half, it seems like Steve Sarkisian and the the players and the the coaches themselves uh, as well, they would lose the battle of adjustments. And, you know, football, there's a chess match within the game of football that's happening, right? And that's the battle of adjustments, and that is – for Steve Sarkeesian, I think for him, uh, that's where he failed last season, right? And I think even this year, getting a Gary Patterson on his staff, someone that can help kind of reverse engineer his game plans, help him anticipate those adjustment his opponents so he can already have his counters ready to go. And I think last season, I never saw the counters from Steve Sarkeesian. I would see the opponent make an adjustment to his game plan, and that's expected. That's the chess match within the game. But as a coach, you should anticipate some of those or at least be ready to make the adjustment to the adjustment or, as I call it, the counter. And I I, am ready for Steve Sarkeesian this year to have the counter ready to go. All right. I think he's going to win the battle of game plan and preparation like he did last season. I think that's part of his his, uh, offensive brilliance as a coach. But I need to see him now be able to anticipate what the opponent's gonna do, right? There, there's certain adjustments they're gonna to make to your offensive game plan, to the cheat codes and the force multipliers that you're executing out there. And then I need you to back to be able to win that chess match. And last year, he lost the chess match, right? He lost the chess match over and over again. to really good Big 12 coaches, right? I mean, like, you're talking about John Heacock, you're talking about John No, Jim Knowles, you're talking about you know, Alex Grinch at Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln know those are good coaches. I get that. Uh, but he's got to prove to me to take the next step that he's got to be able to have that counter ready to go. There's a lot that needs to be done on the roster in terms of talent development. We all agree with that. But I'm looking at him as a coach. To me, if I'm, if I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing Sark and breaking down him, Uh, For him to take the next step, that's part of it. You can look at his win percentage versus coaches who are at least uh, having won at least 60% of their games. Sark struggles. He's always struggled versus really good coaches because he's always lost the battle of adjustments. He's got to get better this year at winning that, especially in the Big 12, man. we got some damn good coaches.
0: Yeah, let me ask you this then. Uh, You bring up a good question, and you actually uh, mix the answer with what I think too, Um, and that is this. Um, So you – you know, you mentioned this Rod. Uh, that I one of the things I found very interesting is the talent development slash talent process. Uh, on Saturday, we saw Casey Thompson struggle again in the second half. Yeah. So, at what point does Sark need a Mac Jones or Tua Tongaolavoloa? <laughs> to, to, to I know that's a mouthful, of, but I tried. I got it. Um, I get bonus points for trying that. No match. <laughs> <laughs> my my point is though, at what point? He obviously and clearly was able to do that against the Ohio State's, Clemson's, uh, Auburn's, all of those people when he was at Alabama. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. So, was it that was it part and parcel of the quarterback play, or did it all are the, the the availability of the wide receivers last year when when Whittington went down? Second half production just went to nil because they they focused on Worthy and took away his first read. Um, yep. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think you just hit it at the end there, right? I I it's uh, a great stat. About Matt Jones when he was coming out of of uh, Alabama, that he went to his second read, like basically threw the ball to his second read less than ten percent of the time in that Alabama offense. Right, it, it was never off schedule. It was never off schedule. It was never off script. It was always, but I mean, it, you had such great talent with it. The offensive brilliance of Sark and the the structure of the Goat, Nick Saban, it just all worked perfectly. It was it was very very. To me, I think it was very rare, and I, that I watched it that you had to see Mac Jones work to improvise outside the structure of that offense. Now, coming to Texas, I think Sark, like all coaches, he suffered from hubris. Right? He's he's arrogant. He's like, "Hey, man, my system's gonna work. These other jabronis don't know what the hell they doing. Watch what I get in there. Way they get a load of me." <laughs> so he comes to Texas. He's thinking, "Watch when I install my system. Boom, boom, boom. It's gonna work." Which is why initially, and this is nothing against Hudson Carr, because I think. You know, Hudson Card lost that starting quarterback job last year after he initially won it because Sark figured out early on, oh, this offense isn't going to work on schedule. It's going to be off schedule probably more than 50 percent of the time and Hudson Card if it was on schedule all the time he would definitely have been the best quarterback for that system and that's what that's what Sark thought he's like it's going to be on schedule man watch for Hudson Card he's going he's going to be he's going to be making uh you know those reads it's going to be a quick read boom 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 it's going to be a quick process an easy process a seamless one and that's not the case because you got offensive line pass protection issues your wide receiver uh, depth was an issue as well uh you were young uh, with the running back room, too, but now it's a strength, of course. But there was just a lot of other issues, and it was everybody was new to the system. So I think Shark realized early on, especially after the Arkansas game, this offense is not going to work on schedule at all. I really can't control what happens outside of calling that play <laughs> more than 50% of the time. And then after that, KC Thompson, which learned from Sam Ellinger, God bless Sam, right? The Sam told K, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I just believe it because I've watched enough Texas football. Sam, who scrambled more than any other quarterback in Texas, sorry, any other quarterback in college football during his time here, he learned listen, you cannot scramble to throw with this offensive line. You got to scramble to run and get the hell out of Dodge. And I think Casey understood that. Hudson Carr did not. Hudson Carr, I think, listened to the coaching of Sark, which was, Sark wants you to scramble to throw. And Casey was like, yeah, I'll listen, to the coach, but when I'm on the field, I'm scrambling to run. I'm making plays. I'm going to keep the I'm going to keep the, the 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 drive alive, not the down alive, which I think is a different mindset than Hudson Card had. So I think that's what happened ultimately last season, and I think this season uh, Sark understands. All right, I can't control what happens with this offense outside of calling that play. There's going to be a lot of things off schedule, and I, the, the the blessing is that he has the answers to every test. Right? It's an open book test, and the answer is give it to Bijan. No matter what happens to the offense, Quinn's having a bad day, offensive line's having a bad day, wide receivers can't catch, hell, Sark's having a bad day, whatever. Just find a way to give it to Bijan. If you do that, then everything will be okay. You'll never veer too far off course, which is why I think this year he's really confident in dealing with the growing pains of Quinn Ewers because he knows, well, anytime Quinn Ewers gets too far off track, I'll just give it back to Bijan. And, you know, I mean, you don't have to worry about the game management of a Hudson card, which is everybody like, Well, he's going to manage the game better. Yeah, he would. But this year, John Robinson's going to manage the game. That guy's going to manage the game for you. You need Quinn Ewers throwing them bombs, as my man Kieran would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, this this is the reality of it, right? This, this is kind of what you go back to. He needs playmakers alongside Bijan and alongside Worthy. and. And uh, Quinn does throw the deep ball better uh, than uh, than uh, uh, than Hudson Card and is off-schedule better. Uh, yeah. Your point, just like Casey Thompson was off-schedule better than a year ago. Um, all right. One more, I got a couple more questions, uh, but want to promote it again. Uh, me and Rob are going to be doing a post-game show uh, five, ten minutes after the game ends every week. Uh, we start this coming weekend with ULM. The season starts now. Uh, And so please join us for that here on YouTube on Uh, InsideTexas.com, InsideTexas.com. Right now, we've got a flash sale going on four months for just one dollar. Please join us there. Rod, I I can't wait to do this with you, because I feel like you're one of those guys that not only do your homework uh, when you talk about Texas football, but you have what we like, what I like to call institutional knowledge. So you you've been at Texas. It's it's not you're not coming in from, you know, northern California, got a radio job in Austin and all of a sudden you're talking Texas football. Right. Or or from Florida and all of a sudden coming in. You you've been at Texas. Uh, you've been through the good, the great. You've seen some bad. Um, you know, the ups and downs of it all. Right. Um, having played for Texas. Um, at, and what does it mean uh, for a guy like you uh, to see when the Longhorns are good versus when the Longhorns are bad?
1: I know, man. I Actually, it's crazy you asked me that. I got the very same question. I was speaking at a Texas X's event yesterday and got a chance to meet for the first time the big humans. Kelvin Benjamin uh, uh, was there. Um, Kelvin, you mean ben- Kelvin-, Kelvin Banks. Banks was there. Uh, uh, Devon Campbell was there. Uh, I think it was Hayden Connor and Christian Jones. Uh, they were all there. And first time meeting those guys man they are mature beyond their years too i mean they, they yeah i wasn't that mature when i was 18 years old um but i got the very same question from uh members of the texas X's. and this is what i'll say i'll just i'll, I'll just put it to me in the the plainest terms i can you know there are a lot of guys that want to come to texas and play football and and there're two kinds there're two kinds and i remember my man <laughs> Moro Ojimo referencing this too. I know people remember that. Moro Ojimo kind of ran about Texas football, very passionate. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Either you want to come to play football, come to play for Texas, or you want to come to play at Texas. Now, if you come to play at Texas, you're just... You just you're really thinking about the benefits of it. Right, man. You get to play in, in, you know, in Austin. It's a great town. You got a, you know, ACL and South by Southwest, the pop culture mecca. Uh, you know, it's one of the greatest universities in the country. You're thinking about what the university can do for you. You know what I mean? And if you come to play for Texas, you think about what you can do for the University of Texas. Right. What can I do for the football program? How can I lift it? How can I make it better? I want to leave it better than I found it. You have, that's the, that is the mission, right? To leave it better than you found the brand, to leave it better off than we found. And also in the process to, you know, ingratiate yourself with this Longhorn family. And so to me, I think those, you want to, you want to make sure the, the locker room is filled with more guys who, you know, came to play for Texas and fewer guys that came to play at Texas. And by the way, when I was at Texas, there were a ton of guys who were here to play at Texas too. But most of the leaders, the guys who were the starters and the made up that depth chart, we were here for Texas. And that's, yeah. the, and there were a lot of guys now, I think last year, too many guys, they were here to play at Texas. They want to be on social media and they they love the things that Texas could do for you. They love that the fans keep showing them love and they love that, you know, all the women love that they play football and the stars on campus. And that's all, that's all great. When there's a price to be paid for. There's a burden to it. And the burden is you got to win. You got to win. You got all that's great. The free food, drinks, whatever. NIL now, I guess, is, has surpassed that. But you get it. It's it, it, it is a you know, to me, it—it it, it is a blessing and it is a celebrity status to a certain extent. There's a price to be paid for it. And, and there were too many guys who wanted to benefit and reap from the celebrity status, but not pay the price and not carry the burden. The burden is you got to win. And if you're not winning, then you need to go back and reinvest. You got to go back and recommit yourself to winning. We won 11 games, Bobby, two years in a row. And we deemed ourselves not failures, but we did not meet the standard because we were good enough to at least compete for it all. Won 11 games and left the university thinking, damn, man, we should have done more. Should have done more. We could have done more. Right? Yes. Yeah. I do up. Yes,
0: right. You you tried, hey, Rod. Rod. In all fairness, you took the punt back, the punt interception back against Colorado. I think. Oh, you did man.
1: <laughs> oh. Bobby, we would have went to play for the national title. Oh, no. We're just gonna play for it all. Oh man, y'all yeah. have no idea. That haunts me, Bobby, to this day, man. And I'll tell hey, you, Bobby, you, it would
0: have haunted. It would have haunted you worse if uh, you would have dropped that ball. <laughs> <laughs> You did, you did your thing, right? Hey Rod, I gotta ask you this, okay? Um, because I want I wanna I know you're 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 um one of those guys that that has a feel for things on both sides. So you talked a little bit on offense, but you grew up playing defense. Um your cornerback, uh, Texas cornerback uh, play last year and secondary in general, uh, literally I, I felt just lacked communication at times, maybe lacked effort at times even even though they maybe didn't feel like they lacked effort, it was just um, they definitely weren't a smart secondary a year ago. Um, Now, at the same time, from what I'm hearing uh, and and what I've seen uh, based on the open practice and whatnot, uh, as well as a couple of the media viewing periods, it seems like Jaron Thompson has stepped into a leadership role in the secondary and is the, for lack of a better term, communication czar. Right. He's telling everybody where to get, why to get and making them switch quickly Um, from a from a second. We've talked about the need to stop the run. Brian Irwin and I were talking about that um, uh, in a previous video. But the secondary uh, and from your experience, how important is a guy back there to be the leader? Um, What do you think Texas needs to do a little bit different in coverage this year compared to last? Uh, Cover cover the secondary for me a little
1: bit. Yeah, man, that's a ooh. Wow. Okay, Uh, that's a big question there, man. That's a lot of different layers to that. I, I'll, I'll I'll start here. I think Stark has talked about this throughout the off and I think specifically he's talking about, of course, the back seven, but the secondary. He's talking about football IQ. Talks about it over and over again. Mac Brown and I had our <laughs> falling out, and now Mac and I are cool. I love Mac. Mac's the man. Uh, He. He, he claimed that I called the football team stupid because I said they had low football IQ. And I was like, I didn't call them stupid. He's like, what? Well, he saying they have low football IQ, he was saying they're stupid. I was like, no, 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 I wasn't saying that. And I had to explain it and all that kind of stuff. But I think we've come a long way that now the head coach can, you know, be forthcoming and say, guys, we got to improve our football IQ. It was bad last year. And he's right. Here's what I always say about DBs. So we talk about pre-snap reads with quarterbacks all the time. Bobby, everybody's got pre-snap reads. Everybody except the linemen. Well, hell, hell even linemen have pre-snap reads. The offensive linemen do. Everybody's got pre-snap reads. We only talk about the quarterbacks' pre-snap reads. And last year, go watch Texas in the secondary last year. They're not talking as much. A confident secondary with a high football IQ, there's a lot of talking going on, right? Because you 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 see so much before the snap, and you want to voice it to your teammate. Hey, watch for the crack block. Hey, we got twins over here. Uh, watch for the smash combinations. You know why you, you just talking to each other constantly right up until the snap. And I didn't see a lot of communication last year pre-snap with them. I always said that DB should be football investigators. There are all these little clues you're given before the snap. You're given the formation. You're given the down and the distance. You're given, you know, the whoever your personnel is, who's across from you. You're, you've been watching films, so you know the tendencies, you know the strengths and the weaknesses. You know all these things, so you're getting these little bits of information right before the snap. So I think Texas uh, DBs last year, they were defending every route on the route tree in every possible play. And and true football investigators don't do that. By, by the time that the ball is snapped, I've narrowed the, the, the possible ways that you can attack me and exploit me and the possible uh, play options probably about down to five or six plays, depending on the down, the distance, the formation, the personnel that's out there, the, you know what I mean, the, the tendencies, the weaknesses, how you've been attacking me all game. You should be able to go, oh, man, this they got twins over here. They usually run the smash concept. The outside receiver never runs a deep inside cut. So if he runs anything short, I probably can jump it. But I gotta wait for the smash. I'm a I'm a float on that number two. But if that number one, if he runs any type of stop route, I'm jumping it. You should you should know these things, right? There there should be, and I don't I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. I think that's what Demarvion Overshine was talking about in Big 12 Media Days. He was talking about becoming a better football investigator. And I think Gary Patterson's a big part of that. That these guys understanding the game to a certain extent. We why third and long. Texas was so bad last year. By third and long, that is the only down in distance sorry, honestly, I think maybe one of the only situations in football where the defense actually has the odds flip in their favor. And Texas was bad last year in that situation. And it's a predictable passing situation where you know how the offense usually is trying to attack you. You know where they're trying to get. Hell, Bobby, we know in football, coaches don't call third and long plays for third and short. They don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't work like that. They, if it's a third and short, they're usually going to call a play to get third and short. They're not going to call a third and long play. I think Texas DBs last year they didn't understand that principle. They were covering everything on third and say like, no. If it's third and four guys, it's going to be it's going to be a quick game. Slant route, quick hitch route. It's going to be a quick out. You know, watch the three step. You can jump it. They did. They, they didn't understand these concepts, and I think now they're going to have better understanding of some of those concepts. And you have better. You have listen. You have better personnel now. And Sark has already said we're going to invest. There's an age-old debate in football about it's the chicken or the egg, right? Coverage or pressure. Which one are you going to invest in? Because most football teams at any level, you can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Unless, unless you're, you know, you got to be really, really good. You're probably going to win a championship if you got both. You're, gonna, you're the L.A. Rams. But other than that, most people got to choose. And I think Sark looked at his defense and decided we got to choose coverage because we cannot rely on those guys to to create pressure. That's why you got Ryan Watts back there. Anthony Cook is a corner to nickel, now moved to safety. Keaton Crawford, corner, moved to safety. Jade Barron now moved to nickel. It reminds me, Bobby, of what they did when Coach Akina came in when I was here. When we first matched up against the air raid, what did Coach Akina do? I want safeties that are basically cornerbacks. Nathan Basher was a safety. Ahmad Brooks was a safety. He uh, uh, Quinn Jammer went from safety to corner. All of our guys were interchangeable. That's what Sark wants to go back to. It's almost a throwback. So when you were going up against the air raids, you want more five two DBs.
0: Yeah, I I really think that they've got to be um versatile. Yeah, uh, right. It, it, it's I remember uh talking to Coach Akina back then, and you know, he had come from a, an Arizona team uh that was that specialized and, and they were in part of Desert Storm.
1: I remember right? that uh, the
0: Arizona Desert Storm wow. back in the 90s. Uh, great, great defenses, but had a guy like Chuck Cecil, right? Who what he called said he would say. He was a thumper and he ran the alley and yep. come to Texas. It's a little bit different because all of a sudden you're facing Mike Leach, right. In, in that era. And you're, you're trying to cover, you know, five wides and all these crazy concepts and you're going, they're going with five seconds before, after the ball gets spotted. And, you know, he's, Yeah, it, I feel like, I feel like adapting like that, what you're talking about takes, uh, better communication in the secondary. And that's really what I was getting at. If if they've gotten to the point now where they're talking to each other and communicating, it's going to be better.
1: I heard Jerry say something interesting, Bobby, to that point. He said, and I heard Jake Major say the same thing. So I know it's being echoed on both sides of the ball. They said, and, and I remember Bull Reeves saying this to us, all right? He said, it doesn't matter, guys, if we're wrong on the coverage and we're wrong on the pressure as long as we're all wrong at the same time we got to be wrong on the same page because then we're right right if we if, if one if one group is playing cover two and the other group is playing cover three then we're screwed but if everybody's playing cover three and coach called cover two we're still okay just everybody play your responsibility so and they say so even if we're wrong we ought to all be wrong and on the same page and Jake Major said it about the offensive line. That's the key to being a player-led team, understanding that. Like, hey, are we all on the same page? We all know what coach we're playing. Then we know the weaknesses. We know the strengths. And we can play it. We can execute it. It may not be ideal, but we can execute it to the best of our ability.
0: Uh, Rod, this is so well said. Uh, and I, I appreciate you joining us today. Rod and I are going to be doing a, uh, uh, a, po- or a video cast. Uh, after every uh longhorn game we start this coming saturday it's gonna be late at night uh louisiana monroe comes to town at seven i think the the kicks is either at i think it's at seven uh, but uh we'll be up late into the night we'll be joining you uh we're gonna stay on for at least an hour afterwards uh we'll be breaking down the stats the numbers behind it what we think of the game uh really uh, excited about it because uh i believe that rod is one of those those guys that not only knows his stuff but he brings a little fun to it and he also brings uh, some long-term perspective uh, to the Longhorns. Uh, Rod, I appreciate your time today, bud. Uh, best of luck, and and I'll see you on Saturday.
1: Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Can't wait for it. And, uh, yeah, man, I can't. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to talk a lot of Longhorn football. Hopefully we're talking more wins than losses. Hopefully that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm Bobby Burton uh, of Inside Texas. Uh, this has been On Texas Football for Rod Babers. I'm Bobby. Y'all take care and have a good one. Welcome.